Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand You could never understand Feel the fortune flowing You know it isn't stuck For my 10th birthday, my parents gave me a second-hand bicycle and Papa, my grandfather, sent me a second-hand atlas. Already I was an enthusiastic cyclist, though I had never before owned a bicycle, and had seen, and soon after my birthday, I resolved to cycle to India one day. I've never forgotten the exact spot, on a steep hill near Lismore, where this decision was made. Halfway up, I rather proudly looked at my legs, slowly pushing the pedals around, and the thought came, if I went on doing this for long enough, I could get to India. Devala Murphy Banish those blues away. Join us on a trip to India and other parts. You're listening to the Arabug Radio Show here on Radical Radio 3CR. Podcasting, streaming or listening on the transistor in the kitchen. 855 on the AM dial. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now! And you're very lucky to have us here, Faith and myself, Welcome to the Arabug Radio Show, and we're going to have a lovely trip down memory lane and look at uh, news and events, plus the most fascinating life of Davala Murphy. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. Lovely and crisp enough? It was beautiful. It is, actually. Yep, very, uh, I was just thinking, it's autumn still is the best time of year, um, as a a hint that it's going to pour later on, a certain dampness, but it hadn't happened yet. So, no. yeah, all good. All good. Ah, fascinating couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and look, on that um, note of, I'm going to slide straight into a bike moment, actually. On that uh, comment of yours, it, I must, it must fit into some sort of Goldilocks zone the weather yesterday. It's cold enough to be rugged up, not so cold that actually you need long gloves, 
and the sun is shining, and it is just perfect cycling. Really. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely magical. And, look, I hadn't done... Um, I hadn't ridden down Canning Street, I don't think, for about five or six years. No. And um, it was just one of those peachy days yesterday, and I, I usually do a capital city trail, and I thought, oh, no. It just looks so good. One straight line, <laughs> a, a slight northerly at my back. Yeah. It is still the super, lovely super bicycle, super highway in Melbourne. <laughs> and one of those few spots where you can see three kilometres in front of you in a mm. straight line, you know, yeah. ending in those lovely trees at the um, uh, around the museum there. Yeah. It really quite special. And actually, that's the first time I've seen that um, new roundabout which has fundamentally changed that intersection completely, had everything. Uh, down the right, I had a young fella on his fixie behind me who had to break every now and then, which was quite funny. <laughs> anyway, it was just one of those days. Magical for cycling. It was. Yeah. I think it's it's the – is autumn the season with the least wind? I think it probably and is. And I think that's what – can make these days feel so magical besides the sun and it, yeah. it's it's a nice enough temperature that you can rug up and wear a few clothes but it's not with the sun you're not sort yeah. of buried in cold yes. <laughs> and actually building up a little bit of an inside sweat is good for his nice <laughs> because it warms you up anyway lovely plenty of people out in the bat of course but it was just uh, nice to ride canning street again it was really uh, open slather yeah, <laughs> and I had a similar bike moment um, just over a week ago at the in Creswick on a, a gravel ride there, um, an organised ride. Yeah. Um, but a very well organised ride, very well, a beautiful, beautiful ride. At yeah. The run, the dirty pig and whistle. Ah, um, there we go, English roast lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and again, gorgeous sunny morning. Started with um. The long gloves on, uh, but by the time you've gotten up that first hill through the forestry yeah. school, uh, it's just peeling off all the layers and setting off for a day's ride in the sunshine. A ride to a hot lunch. What oh, could be better? Won the raffle at the Creswick Market, so that was a, a bonus. What was the price? <laughs> oh, a, a hamper full of goodies from the market. So we spent a fortune at the market on the most gorgeous handmade foods and then won... Extra. Extra. It won everything we'd bought. <laughs> but wasn't complaining because no it's all... It's one of your bike moments. How yeah. many raffles have you ever won? A few. Have you? You're a lucky raffler. Well, I, I don't think that's true, but my husband's always complaining that I won't buy Tats Lotto tickets um, yep. because he says the way you win raffles, you would definitely win, whereas <laughs> I think Tats Lotto is designed for no one to actually win, whereas <laughs> raffles, you know, I think your odds are different. <laughs> Let's step away from probability. Ah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, you know what happened in that fair city of Verona last night? Ah, yes. Not two tribes going to war. No. No, <laughs> no star-crossed lovers in Fair Verona. <laughs> the second Australian to win a Grand Tour. Take a bow, Jai. And the first ever to win the Giro d'Italia. Jai Hindley, young Jai Hindley yep. from WA. Um, amazing, amazing tour and ride. Amazing. Think, yeah. um, 
look, if anybody hasn't watched it, um, the last mountain stage, mm. three huge climbs. Um, it was – God, they can put a – I'm sorry. They can put on a brutal stage in Italy, can't they? Oh, and, and the brutal – the brutality of it combined with the scenery, the Dolomites, is just stunning. Like, you know, it's – yeah. Yeah. But brilliantly ridden and, um, yeah, as uh, – there wasn't much that could go wrong in the uh, time trial nope. for Jai, but um, it was yeah, it was lovely to see. Yeah, good to see. He did come second. Was it eighteen two years, eighteen months, two yep. years ago? Um, virtually in the same spot. Lovely. Actually, really sort of methodical, and it's a it's a good team. Too strong. Yep. Um, and look, I'm trying to remember one of his quotes from a press conference the other day. I will die for this jersey. Or I didn't come here to put boots on. Socks on centipedes. Socks on centipedes. That's got to be up there with one of the great Zen quotes of all time. There will be no putting socks on centipedes. Yeah. No. Who's got time for that? Yeah. And look, everybody looks good in pink. There we go. Uh, any other news? Yes. Um, also in news and, and not so happy news, just mm. almost a week ago uh, a young woman, Yukako, uh, was killed when she was riding her bike on King Street in the city, which is uh, very sad. I um, haven't heard a lot about the details, but it appears she's lost her balance for some reason and because there was a very large truck very close to her, she was... Yeah. Killed by that, so um, a really sad outcome, obviously for her, her family, and friends, and everyone else who rides or hopes to. Um, and our condolences to everyone who knew her. her. I think her family have been out to Australia, um, and there's a bit. There's a lot of flowers in that at the yeah. scene, um, and another, you know, a great example. I think these safe systems things where you have protected lanes and those sorts of things in areas where there's trucks or traffic yeah. moving a bit faster. It means that when something goes wrong, um, there's a there's a buffer for everyone involved because yeah. I'm I'm sure um, you know, besides uh Yukako and her family and friends, the driver Try is mm-hmm. you know, suffering also. So um yeah. Very sad outcome. Mm. Uh, did I see anything? Uh, did I see a call for anybody who had witnessed it, the Victorian police? police um, they, they were yeah. calling for – there were quite a few people at the scene. It was oh, busy yeah. um, and there were some calls last week by Victoria Police. So, if yes, if you yeah. were there or have dash cam footage and that and you haven't yeah. yet been in contact with them, I would do that. Um Mm, it's a bad mix. No, look, it's it's with trucks. No matter where you are and where you're riding, um, there's always an issue. Um, yeah, unfortunately. Um, in response to that, partly, um, Rowan Leppert, the City of Melbourne councillor, uh, detailed because there has been a lot of discussion about the. Um, protected bike lanes that have been installed in the city of Melbourne and, oh, yeah. and uh, not many, but one or two very loud voices 
repeatedly calling for them to uh, be removed. And uh, Rowan uh, wrote a really detailed response about um, the City of Melbourne's plan for protected bike lanes and put it in the context of uh, what other cities are doing, particularly Sydney. So that was... um, a really interesting comparison, I think, for Melburnians to be aware of. Um, the City of Melbourne has, over the next few years, three to four million dollars each year in a four million dollars for twenty three twenty four, four million for twenty four twenty five, and three million for twenty five twenty six. Yeah committed towards cycling infrastructure. So that's $18.2 million over the next four years, um, whereas the City of Sydney for the next four years has $69.4 million yep. for a, a smaller area. Yep. Um, and there's a similar comparison between what the state of Victoria is doing and the state of New South Wales, where unfortunately... Well, fortunately for them, yeah. but unfortunately for us, the Victorian government um, has some very wishy-washy commitments on active transport. Um, and, yeah, it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, and it's not as if uh, Sydney's starting off from a low base. That's why they're spending money. So there's no excuses for that. It's interesting. It'll change pretty quickly, I would imagine, in some cases. Oh. The the big distinction is City, City Council have a lot more say in what they actually do themselves, don't they? Well, I think the big distinction is there's an active transport minister in New South Wales who's committed to spending millions on active transport. And in Victoria, we have a Labor government who have gone out of their way to slow down the building of infrastructure for cyclists. And not even spend the money they allocated to it. No, no. So. Uh, it's a bright new world sometimes, but you've got to keep an eye on the details because <laughs> that's what's happening underneath. We're going to be back um, with a bit of a travelogue just after this break. 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Backrose Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. And you're back listening to the Yarrabug radio show with Faith and Val. Um, We're now going to talk about Devla Murphy. Devla, um, unfortunately, also died last week. Uh, She was aged 90, so um, it was... uh, 1933, 1931 she was born. Born, yep. yep. Um, And an incredible travel writer, and for much of that travel, uh, she used a bicycle. Never rode a car, never had a licence. Travelled all around, 26 travel books. Yep. Donkeys, trains, carts, and bicycles. 
this is a... Where do you want to start with this? <laughs> this is such a... God, it's an interest. Her life is touches on some of the most fascinating things. She has a a very unique outlook um, and point of view, and and that starts with you know that I, I, she sees everything in a very straightforward way, yep. and uh, so grew up in quite pov- poverty, poverty, um, yep. and so then. But also, I think temperamentally, just didn't need much compared to it. Didn't need anything beyond food, yep. beer and whiskey, uh, yeah, cheese, um, yes. and cigarettes. But um, had that sufficiency, and then this very straightforward view to just going and doing something. something. Nothing was complicated in her mind. You yeah. just did it. Her father was a the regional librarian. Mm. Apparently, uh, when she died, had n- over 9,000 books in her own book collection, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and her mother got very crook, sick after she had her. Yeah, um, rheumatoid and was, arthritis rheumatoid and became arthritis. an invalid. Yep. So she her li- early life was quite curtailed. She was, as you, your introductory reading was from, from Dervler's full tool. Yep. Bo- book and described when she got her first second-hand bicycle. Um, so that was at 10 she decided to ride to India. Yep. But it was not until she was 31, and that was because she left school at 14 to become her mother's full-time carer, yeah. and she stayed, and then as her father aged, she looked after him, and then her, and it wasn't until both of them died when she was 31 yeah. that she had that freedom yeah. to... Uh, <clears throat> really go and do what she wanted. She'd done a couple of little trips. Her mother encouraged her to get away for a couple of weeks, but she always had to go back to Waterford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, um, look, can I I'll tell you one of the stories from her youth, which I look after reading so much when uh, over the last couple of days. I picked this up only in the, I think it was in the in the Irish Times this morning, when she was about. Um, Twelve. Um, don't think she'd gone. To, she went to boarding school for a couple of years. Um, when she was twelve, I'd read in one um, article about her that her father had actually been locked up by the English for being a member yes. of the IRA. Yeah. And um, her father's family were very political. Yes, and at some stage in Lismore, which was they used to, the parents had been from Dublin but moved to. Um, Lismore out of Dublin and um, at some stage the I think it was her mother told her that look uh, somebody was coming to stay with them for a couple of days and they weren't allowed to tell anybody so it ends up this was a IRA uh, actually got charged with murder in the end of a constable spent two or three weeks in hiding with the family and obviously there was a bit of a connection went on between the 12-year-old. I think it probably he was taught how to read maps, how to do all this other stuff. Where, so it was very sort of formulative. Two years later, he ends up being captured and was tried, found guilty and was hanged. And it caused a great deal of concern in Ireland, as you can imagine at that time, hanging one of their own. Mm. And um, the story is that um, she's sitting in boarding school and he's getting hung. 
she receives a letter from him, the last one of the last things he'd ever written, uh, a letter to her with a silver ring made in one of the prison ships that were where he was locked up. And she says she kept that ring the whole of her life. Um, at one stage she said she stopped wearing it because she'd stopped the silly juvenile fantasies, I mean, the, uh, of a uh, united island. But it struck me that after reading all this, this was one of the most... I don't know whether... I mean, it's obviously had a huge impact on it, but it was the most interesting and wonderful stories. Yeah, and you know? and that was another of her big trips, riding a bicycle through Northern Ireland. Ah, and, yes. Uh, and she, she, she wasn't afraid to write about politics at mm. a time... She rode through Northern Ireland in 1978. Uh, a Place Apart is the book. Yeah, yep. yeah. So... At the height of um, the, the troubles, troubles. Yep. and eventually her research uh, in person stopped because she was warned off to the extent, you know. So she was she was very open. She could just sit down yeah. and ask someone a question you might think do not ask, yeah. um, and often get a, a, a more open response and um, people were willing to talk to her. Yeah. And you... You saw that too in that first trip described in Full Tilt, travelling from Ireland to India. Yeah. Um, and, and this single-mindedness, like she, when she left Ireland, it was the worst. It was the coldest winter in Europe for 83 years. Yep. So most of that trip was spent in snowdrifts and yep. uh, trying to avoid black ice and yep. – uh, uh, Hedging lifts from trucks that then slid off the road and yep. um, incredible stories. And her luggage was a spare pair of underwear. Yep. She'd taken all the gears off uh, her Armstrong cadet yep. and made it a single speed. Sweet. I'm going to climb the passes of Afghanistan and Pakistan <laughs> on a single, single speed. speed. I, read a, I read a report on one of her trips. She, they clocked her at 65 miles mm. an hour going downhill, which I thought hilariously funny. And uh, there was, I think, uh, one truck when it slid off the road, the driver wrote her a note to take through the snow to a village. Yeah. Um, in the whatever the local language was, and uh, as she's walking along, and then she describes, I felt something on my shoulder and looked down, and, and there's a wolf has attached its teeth into her jumper, and there's two more <laughs> attacking her. And she took a pistol, so she shot two of the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> and use it to fend off a couple of and other things. Yes, yeah. She had, um, throughout her trip, she broke nine ribs, was bitten by a scorpion, contracted amoebic dysentery, gout, hepatitis, tick bite fever, fractured a coccyx, broke a foot and needed a new hip after a fall in Palestine. And broke a foot when she was 80 going across Siberia. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, a couple of other things I loved that the trip to uh, to uh, India. The uh, bicycle's name was Rob, named after Ros and oh god, I can never French. I mean, not French, Spanish, <laughs> French, Spanish pronunciation does me. But Ros, it's shorthand for Don Quixote's horse. Yes, yeah. so which I found <laughs> lovely. Um, anybody who'd ever was uh, going to an interview her. 
she used to say to him that bring plenty of beer and plenty of good cheddar. Yeah. I uh, read a lovely uh, obituary or a remembrance of uh, an Irish writer who interviewed her twice over the last 10 years and rude the time when she first um, uh, interviewed her uh, of not partaking of a couple of beers because she had to drive later. And one of the last lines of the, the memoir was, oh, look, I should have stayed there and just booked a room somewhere because obviously she had so many more tales to tell. You know. Well, and, and so she lived um, in what was a disused cattle market in yep. the centre of Lismore. <laughs> and it's a collection of little stone sheds. Yep. Uh, so one shed was her kitchen with a little um, dining room and library. Another was a study. Another she slept in, and another guest slept yep. in. And her editor, her publisher, um, described times where he had to stay a few days to work with her. And Michael Palin also stayed there. Yep. And uh, it was this um, freezing cold experience. Um, very few mod cons. She was comfortable without them. Um, and. Uh, yeah, there's one. She describes one morning she woke up and found an electric blanket hanging, a brand new electric blanket hanging on her front gate. So someone is dropping a hint. <laughs> you mentioned Michael Palin. Now it's a bit hard to track this down, and I couldn't get the full look. Uh, the Irish Television ITE, I think it's called in Gaelic, uh, did a wonderful show. Who is Davala uh, Murphy? Uh, Michael P- Palin. Uh, did the show. A couple of things, uh, and it was noted in a couple of other things, she had a quite peculiar lifestyle. So after the interview with Arthur Michael Palin was taken, she had a, used to have a skinny dip in the River Blackmore every yeah. morning. was part of a ritual. She ate breakfast and dinner at five o'clock in the morning and then didn't eat for the rest yep. of the day. Yep. Now she um, had... Uh she did what she wanted and she wasn't held back by ideas about what you should do. Yeah. Um, and she, I think she was sort of saying she doesn't find food that interesting. So I eat, and it was quite a large breakfast. Yep. You know, um, but so I get it all out of the way in one go. I just eat everything I need for the day, <laughs> except for <laughs> beer and cheese for the exceptions. Single speed cyclists, they're different. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was one. Um, when she in uh, full tilt about the trip from Ireland to India, she she wrote at one point, I regard this sort of life with just Roz, her bicycle, and me and the sky and the earth as sheer bliss. There you go. And I think uh, that she had everything yeah. she needed in the And net. we should not leave this other topic untouched. She's, what, 33? She This is Ireland in 1933. The church rules island at this stage she has a daughter out of wedlock purposely a single mother raises uh rochelle i think i'm trying to remember rachel Ra- yep. rachel daughter's name and look fast forward five years rachel's going on the trips to peru with her going everywhere rachel i think had three daughters one stage they do two trips to cuba so uh mum three daughters and grandma and the same simple camping on the beach in Cuba that she'd been doing all her life. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Dervla Murphy, certainly a life very well lived and uh, 
have a look for her books because yep. I can guarantee you will enjoy reading them. Exactly. And look, some of the books, so one of the, uh, Nuclear Stakes, which was um, a race to the finish, was after she rode past Three Mile Island, actually. Yeah. Um, Kenya, Zimbabwe, Romania, Rwanda, the Balkans, the Gaza Strip, West Bank, Birmingham, a couple of cities in, in England. She was had a very prolific and very political towards the end of her life. Yeah. Um, I think I'll just go out. There's one other quote which I'll probably touch on. She had a um, love-hate relationship with tourism, which she could see coming. And here's a quote from some of the tourists that she ran into in Afghanistan, I think, in uh, full tilt. For them, travel is more a going away from rather than a going towards. And they seem empty and unhappy and bewildered and pathetically anxious for companionship, yet are afraid to commit themselves to any idea or cause or any other individual. I think one of her other phrases was, by God, book, work out where everybody else is going and you go in the opposite direction. Hey, do yourself a favour. There's some wonderful stories in her life and some wonderful writing praising her in the last couple of weeks, on the last couple of days. It's been really good. Yep. And that's definitely all we have time for today. Coming up next is... is Shibap. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.